Welcome to this special episode of Bickering Peaks. Today, we're talking all about the secret diary of Laura Palmer. Okay, so we're here to talk about uh, the secret diary of Laura Palmer. Yes. Special episode. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to have uh, our friend Alexis join us this evening. Unfortunately, um, school and family events conspired to keep her away from us. Yes. Um, but we hope that uh, either she will chime in at some yes. point and we might be able to include yeah. her in the conversation maybe as an addendum to this. Or um, obviously we, we want feedback from you fine listeners as well yeah. um, because this is an important book, I think. Yeah. And... Uh, and it's worth discussing, I yes. think, on a lot of fronts. There is so. a lot to talk about, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so uh, let's start with just the, uh, the basics here, yes. I guess. The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer was released um, September 15th, 1990. So about two weeks or so before the premiere of season the two. second season. Um, Jennifer Lynch in uh, The Essential Wrapped in Plastic uh, book by John Thorne. Um, she is quoted as saying that it took her nine days to write it. And, but during that time, it was, it was erased also four times <laughs> yeah. and through various malfunctions of the computer software or uh, digital storage medium that she was using, um, which contributed to the style, I guess, of, uh, or the feel anyway, of the words, of the work itself, um, because it does have a very kind of frenzied, anxious feel to it. Yeah. Um, speaking as someone who has had a diary, I can say that um, most of what I write in my diary or wrote, because I don't have one anymore, but most of what I wrote was not this personal or this um, intense. intense. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, even just the idea of a diary now, I mean, to any yeah. younger listeners, they're going to be like, why, why, why would anybody, why, what is a diary and why would you keep it? Um, <laughs> well, I think it's interesting too, because, um, it is, it is such a, it's an interesting thing to assume that a book can contain a secret anyway, that you could keep a secret like this in a diary and that Laura persists in the book for a long time, believing that this is a private personal space. And it's a very childlike thing to imagine. And that's what I thought I stopped writing in my diary when my brother found it and went through it with the younger brother of my crush, who uh, I wrote about a lot in the pages yeah. of the diary. Yeah. So so once that secrecy or once that privacy was broken, then I no longer felt well, it was safe to write yeah. in. And, and it I happens stopped to Laura in this diary early on. Yes. And then she still continues again. writing. She comes back to it. She's like, oh, well, no, she stops. And she says, mm-hmm. I'm not going to write in this anymore because my privacy has been violated kind of thing. And then... A year later, she comes back to it. And it seems like that's that's a testament to the need yeah. that Laura had to reveal this secret. And it's a human need that we all have. Yeah. And I think well, this is why... Well, she has nobody to talk to. I no, mean, literally, she has no one. So her diary becomes kind of... Uh, it's more than just a, a repository of her daily... Yeah. you know goings on it's 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 a a confidant right yeah. like it almost assumes it's almost like the diary becomes a character itself yeah. and it sure assumes that in the in the tv show right yeah. i mean the diary becomes the focal point for several episodes in the second season once um harold smith is introduced and Dor- donna and 
Maddie, uh, Maddie trying to take it and everything. So, um, so it is an important. It plays a very important role. But I think for for Laura, who um, receives the diary on her twelfth birthday, mm-hmm. um, which is a good time for a, a, a little girl to start writing in a diary, yeah. right? Um, it's uh, it's a, it's a. I mean, it's something every little girl does. But that's did. that. That's did, my point. Is that okay. I don't. I don't know. If, like twelve year olds now, just they have social media to capture right. things. I don't, I don't know. know if they I have don't know. Private, if they have I don't know. Maybe yeah, diaries maybe. or or if maybe that's what t- their Tumblr blogs yeah, are is for now, now. You know, like um, I don't know. I think, that, but but I think I think there that hmm. that need to have a safe yes, secret safe place, place yeah. has not gone away. No. And I mean, granted, none of us, I'm sure, are writing about supernatural beings hmm. who are, you molesting know, us. molesting us. On a regular basis, not, yeah. um, but there, but there are people out there who are writing deeply personal things. Well, and who have and had who have terrible had things terrible happen, things, yeah. and and I mean, we know, we know Laura's fate. We know mm-hmm. who was the perpetrator behind all of this. Um, so we're not coming into this with with any kind of preconceived notion that this is. I mean, we know that this is this is a story at at heart of of a girl going through the rape and incest at the hands of her well, father yes we know that now we know that now at the time and when that's that's yes. that was my first that yes, was my that's first where thing you started that I wanted to, to to talk about here off, a little bit yeah. was that um the book comes out two weeks before the the start of season two um jennifer lynch was given free reign to write whatever she wanted and some of the entries are included um sort of included i don't yeah. know if that was Lynch's words, or if they were given to her to write in, I, I don't know. But they, but some of the entries do cross over into um, the TV series. Into the TV series yeah. when Harold reads the diary to Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, she was given more or less free range to kind of just explore Laura's, yeah, um, her world yeah. and her life. And, and, and is it a dark one? Yes. Yeah. Um, so she knew who the murderer was when she was writing the diary. Well, uh, Jennifer did. Um, nobody who was reading the diary on September 15th or in the, the weeks leading up to um, the start of season two or throughout season two had any idea no. who the murderer was or who the, her, the perpetrator of this was. So um, it's a very different place. It's a very different thing to read now. To read now. After you've watched the series. And- um. So I am very curious, and I, I wonder if you're as curious as I am. People who read like, this at the time, yeah, what, what they thought of it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's really hard to do that now, to place yourself in that position. Yeah. But there are certain... There, well, we'll get into it, because mm-hmm. that's one of the things we want to talk, is, is yeah. how it introduced some of the characters of season two, mm-hmm. um, and how it did set up a lot of... And yeah. I, was, I was reading in, in The Essential Wrapped in Plastic that she, there were two sections that she did have to cut herself. She said they were literally pages ripped out from mm-hmm. the diary that she wrote because uh, Lynch and Frost thought that they were too much, too much, too hinty, too, uh, it would have been yeah, too yeah. clear who the, who the killer who was. The, who the yeah. killer was. They yeah. really did want to keep that under wraps. So, um, but yeah, I, it, there's not really a lot in there. I mean, obviously we're coming from a different place though, so mm-hmm. it's hard to tell, but, um, but yeah. yeah. It's a very intense book. Aiden and I both, I've read it once before this or twice before this. 
Um, this Aiden, this was your first time reading it. Yes. Um, it's a it's a fairly easy read to get through page wise. It's not yeah, like it's, it's not, a it's not super long, no. and the entries themselves. I mean, there's some longer ones, mm-hmm. but they're usually quite an involved scene, and mm-hmm. there's a lot going on to keep you interested. But yeah, yeah for the most part, it's very short. Um, brief snippets, easy to just pick up and go. And... I shouldn't have said easy because it isn't an easy read. No, it's a very difficult read. Well, yeah, but I mean the writing. Okay, so that's one of the things I do want to talk about mm-hmm. is the the I don't want to say quality, but the 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 style and the 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 tone and voice that comes out of the book is um, very good. I mean, I wasn't writing this well when I was twenty two, and I think uh, she did a really good job of capturing, especially early on mm-hmm. when she's a twelve year old. And uh, you're guard- you're getting Laura's first kind of thoughts. It feels like you're reading a twelve year old stuff. Yeah, it diary. does very much so. It's it's about ponies and best friends and and cousins who are cool and like and you know sneak cigarettes out. And yeah, stuff. but there is still a darkness there. Well, right? I think like the second entry, she's like she says, "P.S. I hope Bob doesn't come tonight." Yeah, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is our-. like as someone who knows what's happened." Yeah. you're like, "Wow, Bob's been with her." The since whole she time. was 12. Well, yeah. earlier. Well, because yeah, she just she mentions was, yeah, it yeah, offhand. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, well, Bob, you know. This is not the first back. time, right? No. Yeah, so. So Bob has been a presence in her life from, as Cooper says in, in that one episode, he's like, from a very young age mm-hmm. was Bob has been in, uh, a presence in her life. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows up here. Yeah. Um, but it still feels like a, a fairly innocent 12-year-old. Yeah. Early on, uh, she does admit that she's interested in kissing earlier than Donna is yeah. and she really likes hearing about Maddie's experiences of having a boyfriend and everything yeah. and uh Maddie's two years older than her it sounds like her two or three years older yeah um maybe four years maybe she's 16 I don't remember, I don't remember how old she is but, yeah, but she is older yeah. she's older yeah which we knew from yeah yeah uh and it's yeah but I thought that was that was really great uh to when it started was just the sense of like wow yeah this is this is a average 12 year old's diary mm-hmm and it starts very much like Twin Peaks. It's an average, everyday, small town. Right. And then as soon as you get under the surface or you're in five, ten pages, you start realizing, oh, no, there's some, there's the other side of Laura mm-hmm. that starts coming out. Yeah. So then from there, uh, it start, there's there's kind of some abrupt changes. Right. Um, one is, there is a period where I mentioned already where she skips ahead by about eight months, a year. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, is that when her, the first pages are ripped out? Yes, that... yeah, yeah. Okay. She complains about losing her privacy, and then yeah. she's like, I won't come back here or something. And then I think it's maybe six to eight months, maybe as long as a year. She comes back later, and there's there's a change. And, yeah. and it's it's not huge at this point, but it is noticeable. noticeable. And then she kind of keeps going from there on. And every time, like, there's periods where she skips or where she has three or four entries in a week or something. Um but from there on, it's the more writing, sporadic. And, it, yeah, but it, and it's also more just grown up. Well, yeah, and I think that's um, Aiden and I were debating this before we we uh, started recording that um, I am not entirely convinced that that the relationship that Laura the relationship that's not the right word um, the interactions that she has with Bob have become fully sexual in a way that Laura understands yes. necessarily. Um, at the beginning of the diary. But I think um, around the time that Laura first gets her period, which is traditionally, and, and it's it's mentioned very clearly in the yeah. book as being uh, the, the a mark of a landmark. Yeah, yeah it's, it's when She's a, a girl becomes now. a woman. Yeah. And her mom makes a big deal out of it and calls her dad and calls her friends. And it's embarrasses her and totally about. embarrasses yeah. her. Um, 
that at that point I think that's that's yeah. when things shift and yes. I and it something that stuck in my head from the first couple of times that I read the the diary and then was reinforced now is I think that is the point where where the relationship with Bob like he had been grooming her there's no doubt about that that these things were happening and there was uh, molestation um, and and probably a lot of very inappropriate contact yeah but it hadn't progressed to full-on yeah um intercourse intercourse or or whatever until she hit puberty puberty, which um is kind of when it's yeah it's an interesting touch that uh she didn't want to tell her dad right and then her mom sarah goes over and like makes a big deal about it with leland right and now you're realizing, like, maybe she internally was like, Somehow. I don't want Leland to know because I don't want my dad to know because he's Bob and Bob is already right. doing weird things. I don't want him thinking I'm a woman now. Um, but you're absolutely right. I found that was definitely, yeah, kind of a turning point mm-hmm. in the tone. Um, and she becomes, I mean, the writing grows up a yeah. lot. And I found that jarring at first because I'm like, well, she's still just 13, 14. Why does she write like a... She writes like kind of, I was describing as like a an angsty college student kind right. of thing, like, like a twenty two year old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or younger even, but sure. Um, and I was like, well, that, that's kind of greeting. But I mean, if she's starting to have sex with a well, a man, it's, and it's stuff, not even that. It's just the things that she does know, even from like I think she's starting to realize that the things that are happening are are not things that a twelve year old or a thirteen year old or a fourteen year old girl would experience so she knows that she's different she knows i think it would cause her to grow up very very well, fast yeah, that's what and I'm that's saying, yeah. okay yeah. so that's that's what why the shift happens yeah i mean it still seems a little abrupt but i mean she wrote it in nine days this is really incredible i sure. didn't know that so but yeah i mean it's so yeah that it, it's understandable though that that a, a girl going through something like this would yeah. would shift so abruptly so quickly yeah well yeah that was the same thing abruptly yeah, and abruptly quickly, and quickly. Mm-hmm. yeah that's very good, Lindsay. Um, yeah, so that was that was the biggest uh, first thing I noticed upon mm-hmm. first read through was was the writing style and the tone itself. Um, it it played with the the Twin Peaks vibe, um, and once you get past the the puberty age when she's starting to have you know she's going out with boys and yes. causing trouble, and then she meets Bobby and they start doing drugs, and she's fourteen, <laughs> and. Then it starts getting into like the really dark stuff that that really dominates uh, Laura's life. Well, and and that's where I mean, we coming into this, even if we didn't know who her murderer was, we knew that she was involved with drugs. We knew that she was being um, that she had been in sexual relationships or or in you know there were things she was involved in her involvement with Flesh World um, stuff like that 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 had come stuff, out. Yeah. In already one, in yeah. season one yeah. so we knew that this wasn't that this wasn't the homecoming queen but to see it on the page and to come to those realizations along with laura us for the second time her for the first um it really does put things into really sharp relief i think mm-hmm. that we're dealing with a real person and i think that was the thing that that jumped out for me is that this so this is 1990 we didn't get any laura palmer in the show up until this no. point we had photographs and we and the had terrible flashback and the flashback yeah. we had the the camcorder yeah. video from the picnic um we had the voiceovers that she did the tapes with dr jacoby yeah. um but we had very very little um of her voice yes. and her character well, nothing, showing really. through yeah 
So this is our first glimpse of her as a person with agency. And it goes from there to Fire Walk With Me. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But it's just when you when you start to have Laura Palmer as a person as opposed to Laura Palmer as the dead body, the dead body or the dead girl yeah. um, or the girl in the photograph, it all of a sudden becomes... This, the story just blows up. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's such a different story. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and that that yeah. must have been incredibly jarring for someone yeah. reading this in 1990. Well, especially the depth and, I mean, just the perversity, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And mm. that's really how Laura perceives it, too, is that she becomes this kind of perverse, drug, at, yeah. drug, drug and sex addicted um, person who's dealing with these emotional issues that she just cannot handle and what she even she puts into terms of pure good and evil right yeah. like she wants to be a good person for a lot of the kind of middling teenage years she really struggles with you know she has the incident with donna uh where they meet the boys mm-hmm. that donna recounts in season two to yeah. harold um josh rick and tim josh rick and tim <laughs> and she recounts that laura you get laura's version of this yeah. uh this time and she's like it was a i was doing bad things but i felt good about them yeah and it's, you know, it's kind of traditional Christian dogma, being, you know, American Christian dogma of, well, those are sins, so you have to feel bad for them. It's it's a little bit and of And she's grappling with that on, on a on, much larger scale. Exactly. And, and But this first one, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, well, she's doing what every teenage right. girl does, right? She feels bad for doing the things that feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and how is she going to come out of this? But you don't realize that's not what she's dealing with. That mm-hmm. That is literally just the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. for Laura. And once you get all the other things that Bob has done to her and the way he's mentally torturing her, um, you you realize there's no way she's going to... Like, every teenager goes through that of doing bad things and then, you know, figuring out why you shouldn't do them. Yeah. You know, you're hurting other people or whatever, or you're not, and it's not actually a bad thing. Yeah. Um, Donna, or sorry, Laura is never going to come to those same conclusions right. because she's being warped so badly by the, the thing that she can't control and the yeah. thing for which she has no agency, which is Bob. Yeah. Uh, and so it's... It's a really, uh, yeah, really harrowing read to kind of realize what she's going through as as it's revealed in the in the course of the diary. And I think it it also, I mean, we kind of get before we know that she's been the the victim of years of incest and abuse at the hands of Bob um, in the series I'm talking about. Yeah. We get the the sense that she was just a wild girl and that she had she liked to party and she did all these yeah. things that were, you know, inappropriate, but that were things that, like you said, yeah. in kids experimented too, yeah. with. Yeah. But when you realize that this is this is a coping mechanism, yeah, this was for just Laura. a coping mechanism. Like she was literally, just getting by. She was doing cocaine because it was the only way she could deal. Like there's there's a scene in the diary where I think it's Christmas. And uh, Jacques or Leo, one of them sews or puts a a package inside one of Laura's bras after one of their assignations. And it contains a joint or a couple joints, some Coke, um, some Valium, Valium, I think. And uh, and Laura does a a series of these drugs and is so wasted. But she says it's she's writing in her diary. She's like, it's the happiest she's ever been because it's it's a time when she can be free from Bob and free from her conscience and free from the things that are bothering her. So it's, it's not, this is not a girl who is just experimenting with cocaine yeah. because it was there. It was someone, Laura is someone who was so deeply troubled and so deeply, like you said, warped by her experiences with Bob that this was the only way she could survive. Yes. And the and, escalating yeah. sexual escapades, like 
like uh, going to Jacques and letting them tie her up in the middle of the woods yeah. or meeting truckers on the highway yeah. and almost being raped in a motel room yeah. by four big burly dudes. Yeah. Laura takes that experience and this, this that's nothing for her. Yeah. Like she's not afraid. She is afraid. Well, in that but case it's not is, yeah. but it's not the same kind of fear that she has from Bob. This no. is easy to deal with almost. Yeah. Like she takes control of those situations. Yeah. And turns them around well, for herself. The instance with Blackie is the best one. Blackie's like, oh, I'm going to teach you a thing about sex. Yeah. And then she leaves Blackie wasted on the floor. Yeah, because like, Laura taught her no. more than, yeah. yeah. And and there was, a, there was a moment I wanted to talk about. Sorry. There was a moment that I wanted to talk about where um, where Laura has a dream. And she recounts the dream. Um, that I think she was in her bedroom and there was a rat, a, a large yes, rat in the yeah. bedroom, who she knew that this rat wanted to eat her foot. Yeah. But rather than allowing the rat to eat her foot, she chewed it off herself. Yeah. And it, I thought that was, I mean, it's very obvious, yeah. but I thought that that's kind of the thesis. That's Laura in a nutshell. Yeah. She's never going to let someone else hurt her. She will hurt herself first yeah. rather than allow herself to be hurt. And yeah. that's what Laura does. Like, that's yes, her MO. That's her, yes. She is actually a really good person yes. at, at the end of the day. And, and she's just in a very terrible situation. And even the bad things that she does do to other people are like, they're pretty small. Well, like, well, and they're they're. I don't want to say they're understandable or they're excusable, but but they kind of are. You know, yeah. like they're they're defense mechanisms that she she's pushing people away or hurting them in order to keep them from the darkest side of her or from yeah. going down the road that she's gone down. Yeah, um, which is and and that is prevalent throughout Firewalk. It is. So do do you want to move to Firewalk with me and the Not comparisons? Yet. Okay. Because I just wanted to say that um, you you mentioned that Laura is a very good person and and it goes beyond. I think it goes beyond goodness because Laura does not see herself as a good person. No. She sees herself There's no as, way she as could, right? no. Um, in a scene in the book where she talks to, it's one of her first mentions of Doctor Jacoby, mm-hmm. and she says that he thinks maybe she's just forgotten how to be loved. Yeah. And at this point, she's about 17, 16 yeah. or seventeen. That's right before she dies. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when that, that's a telling moment for her, I think it's a realization for us. It's not really a bombshell, but, um, even in spite of her own inability to feel love or to feel loved herself, she is, she bends over backwards to be altruistic to other people. So it's, it's, it's like these extremes, right? Like she feels she's doing such bad things that is she compensating by starting the Meals on Wheels program? Is she yeah. compensating by well, helping think, the elderly woman to her car or yeah. to the house or no, whatever? Oh yeah, I think that's, she even lays that out. She's is like, she, I've got to do something that's that makes up for all the bad things I'm doing. Mm. And and I think she started the Meals on Wheels or she talked to Norma about it uh, when... Um, she sees she someone was on in, the, a, in, the, in the diner who was... Yes, but I think she was on... Uh, she was sober for like a couple oh, days right. or something. She had a couple periods of that. I well, I think she exactly. talked to Norma, but then Norma is the one who called her, and that's when she started yeah. setting it up, was yeah. when she was sober. Yeah, exactly. Because she does try to go straight for a, a while. A couple times, yeah. At different points, I think it might have been around Christmas or yeah. before or after something right. like that. She, she's like, I'm 11 days sober. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Obviously, it doesn't last. And then she yeah. talks about it again when James is kind of convinced her to right. go... Sober and also not lasting. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Anything else? Uh, no, no. You wanted to move on to Firewalk with me, though. Yes. Briefly. Let's talk about, well, and especially the, it's a different story. So the story you get here, there's just some inconsistencies with the series, which we'll get into, but I think it's a good place to start is, is Firewalk with me and how okay. different, uh, the Laura here in the book is compared to Laura in the, the film. I think, they can still they're still matching up. I think uh, David Lynch probably took a lot of 
Firewalk with Me, Laura, Firewalk with Me's Laura out of the book. I know Cheryl Lee did. She said that she carried a copy of this yes. around with her while she was filming. Yes. Um, she thought that it was every time she sees someone with a copy of the book in their hand, she feels like they shouldn't be reading it because it's so personal. It's, to it's her. her, yeah. Um, yeah. Which is some a topic we can talk about at another yes. date. Yes. But uh, but yeah, I think you're right that there is a lot of crossover at least. If not like factually or, or yeah. Um, like there's yeah there's some inconsistency wise, yeah details it's, it's stuff. like the, the heart the of it the of spirit it of there. it is very much so yeah um, it is Laura's storytelling told around like in the movie it's basically from Laura's point of view and in this the obviously the novel is exactly from yeah. Laura's point of view yeah um, and yeah that's that's a really it's a really jarring experience I'm I'm kind of surprised. Either this book got published. Yeah. I mean, I know Twin Peaks was a huge deal in 1990. Right. And they could probably have done anything. But just the amount of graphic sex, yes. the, the bisexuality of Laura, all these things were fairly taboo. Still, like the fact that she was on drugs. Mm-hmm. Like she was a cocaine addict at 14. Yeah. Um, you know, that's this still, you know, post-Reagan <laughs> years in America. Like, it's really quite incredible that they showed this. Um, and it's also kind of funny that... Um, not funny that David Lynch returned to it for Firewalk With Me, but that he channeled that same spirit so perfectly. Um, why do you say that? What do you mean? Why Why is that interesting to you that he would channel it so perfectly? I guess because... No, I no. it's not interesting that David Lynch did it. It's the fact that nobody else seemed interested in it in 1992 when Firewalk mm. With Me came out. Because if they'd read the diary, which I'm obviously not everybody who watched the series did that... Um, but it was all there, right? I don't. Yeah. I think as soon as he said it's a prequel, a that was going to lose a lot of people anyways, and it did. Um, I mean, people hated Firewalk with me when right. it came out. Uh, I think that uh, this the 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 story or the book, the novel, however you want to describe it, isn't a novel. Did we? I think an, an epistolary novel. Similar to Secret, Secret, Twin Peaks. Secret History okay. of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, so the novel. Yeah. Uh, really does kind of set the stage and it's it anybody who was interested in this the story of laura palmer as such really didn't have to go to the movie to get the the spirit of it mm. at all um i think david lynch as a filmmaker as a painter of moving pictures moving pictures wanted to return there and oh, do it in his sure. own through his own eye um and i'm very glad i he get did. the feeling that firewalk with me was like an exorcism for him almost and yes. i don't think it worked and i think he he spent the better part of the next decade and a half exercising laura palmer from maybe he never has yeah. maybe that's why he's returning to the series, the series now. now um i think she really did get under his skin yeah he's said almost said that exactly a yeah. couple of times yeah. right that this was she was an important character to him yeah um so that may be why. But I, I see what you're saying because the story is not... There's, there are subtle differences. Details are different. Um, this was two years before Firewalk With Me was released. So there's lots of, you know... Well, and all of a sudden two where, happened and, yeah, and he had to work all that exactly. into the movie so, and stuff. I mean, yeah. there, there are things that are going to be different. But but you're right. Like the, the, the theme and the yeah, emotion the, of it, the, or yeah. it's all there and it doesn't really change. There's nothing... I mean... There is something added to it because um, we haven't talked about Firewalk with me on the podcast yet, but um, Cheryl Lee's performance in and of itself makes Firewalk with me a yeah, worthwhile movie to amazing, watch. Yeah. Um, and you don't get that in the book. Like you, you get it in your head, but you don't yeah. get her coming to life in the way that 
that she does in Firewalk with me. See, I, did, I got a bit more of it in the It's in different. The, it is. It's, it's, it's different. I'm not it's saying a, she doesn't come different to medium. life. But yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's in your head and, and, and you're reading her words. And and you see her growth. And it's sure, over, yeah. over time. That I mean, by the well, end yeah, of the movie, or by the end of the, the, the book, you, you really do get it's over. It's five and a half years almost of yeah, her life chronicled yeah. in 184 pages, yeah. right? Like it's, it's a pretty... Uh, in that sense, it's a pretty expansive work. Yeah. And it's yeah, much, it's far, like, I mean, Firewalk with me only deals with the last week of her life. So yeah. automatically you're getting way less. more. Yes. In, in the, the book, less yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I still feel like, and this is maybe relevant because um, just, uh, I guess, last week, the, I want to talk about the dolls that ah, are being released. Okay. Um, just to draw a parallel yeah, here yeah, because. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been a lot of uproar see where you're going. over yeah. the <laughs> over the release of these um, uh, Funko Toys has has announced a line of Twin Peaks dolls and action figures that they are um, they're coming out in April I guess and, and Laura is featured as both an action figure and as one of these Funko Pop vinyl dolls and in both instances what they chose to re- present is Laura wrapped in plastic um, which a lot of people are really upset about because. Um, it is. It's reducing it's, her to an object. Well, I think I think viscerally on like, and this is how I felt when I first saw it. It's like she's dead. Like I don't want to. I don't want a doll in my house that is of a dead That's person. Primarily like dead. it's 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 different than than having like a bust of Shakespeare. Like because this is this is this is <laughs> yeah, a, it's, a. It's not like Shakespeare wrapped in a funeral right. pyre or something yeah, like that. Like, like a death shroud. Yeah, you yeah. know, like that would the, be morbid. In yeah. pale skin yeah. and like. It's it is a little morbid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you're right. It also I, I think it it captures Laura at a moment where she has absolutely no agency, and it stands in such sharp contrast right now for me because when the, the, when this was announced, when these dolls were announced, I was in the middle of rereading this. the the, uh, the diary, yeah. so it really did stand out for me because here I am reading this living, breathing, knowable character. And debating whether or not these, in my mind, whether or not the the doll is necessary to be released, because I felt like it's it, it just doesn't it just didn't jive for me. Yeah. And I felt I felt a little bit of the anger of a lot of the people on on the interwebs on the interwebs. Yeah, who well, were upset I, about this. And I totally agree. I mean, it's I mean, and that's the thing. Like, but in this series, which is what most people dealt with, which is what Tim Peaks was famous for. Laura was just the dead body. Yeah. She was the dead girl in plastic. Mm-hmm. So I understand from a marketing and every, everything point of view, most people didn't watch Firewalk with me. Most people have not read this this novel. Well, the novel was a bestseller. Really? It was a New York Times bestseller. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean much because people You're still right. Read, Some people buy books and they don't read them. No, exactly. We have a large collection of, of books, books here that, that we read. have never read. Some of which were assigned reading in university classes. Lindsay. I never read them. <laughs> uh, and but but yeah, because but if you had done any of that, you would. And it, it's I think if you've been exposed to that, Laura, mm-hmm. you can't think of her as the the girl just wrapped no. in plastic anymore. I mean, that's that's what this book and what Fire Walk with Me especially did. Yeah, is just change Cheryl Lee from. Oh yeah, she was just a face that was wrapped in plastic, and right. she looked pretty on a morgue table. To no, no, this is yeah. the most important character in the. Twin well, Peaks and this universe. is this is the thing because because that image of Laura wrapped in plastic was the entry point for all of us mm-hmm. into this show, yeah. 
None of us read the novel first. No. Well, I I don't know. I, Neither one of us did anyway. No. We all we all came to this from the show. From mm-hmm. from the pilot was probably where we were all introduced. That's how we were introduced to Laura. Her image, like the image of her on the screen, of being dead, wrapped in plastic, is the show. Yeah. Like that is what makes the show possible. Yeah. It's it's an iconic image. It's not. I don't feel like it's disrespectful. Uh, the, the, I, what I said earlier was my initial reaction. I've had some time to think about it, and there's a lot more nuance to it. And and I have we we pre-ordered the dolls. We have yeah, we're, we're gonna get the whole set because why not? Um, but yeah, I think it's um, because it's such an iconic image. There was no other image of Laura that they could from, yeah, from no, the series. Definitely. I mean, I guess they could. You know, well, there's, there's the, her the, the homecoming image. Yeah, or the the Red Room when she meets Cooper in the dream sure. 25 years later. I mean, I think that's but still I think, acceptable. But I think the, the whole thing, like, you know, she's dead wrapped in plastic is the the quote. Yeah. Everybody oh, no, no, quotes, yeah, no, it, we're there's... looking at the book, The Essential Wrapped in Plastic by John Thorne. Like, wrapped in plastic is the... Part of Twin Peaks. That's yeah. what, that's, it, it's so important to it. Yeah. So I feel like there's... There are two versions of Laura. We get the Laura that everybody thought they knew, and that's the girl who's dead, wrapped in plastic. The horror of that is magnified once we know the backstory. Yes. And that's the Laura that we get in Firewalk With Me and in The Secret Diary. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's not... They're not irreconcilable. Yeah. I think that you can make them work Yeah, together. I would have loved to have seen both Lauras. On the dolls, yeah, that like, would, that would be have cool. been really nice. Like, yeah, it would have fiddled very, very nicely with the whole yes, dual, dual yeah. dualism, yeah, but, for sure. Uh, but we didn't get that. No. Um, having said that, I just it was just my way of saying that this this fits in very nicely with Firewalk with me in terms of giving her that, that yeah, exactly that, that yeah that sense of that sense of person realness that, yeah yeah it wasn't there yeah. Um, so I, I had a note here about inconsistencies. Do we want to go over those? I mean, I think it's just enough to say that, yes, there were some inconsistencies. Um, the book, for instance, uh, has her going until 1990 and being murdered then. Right. And I think we I, I honestly didn't notice that until you pointed it out. I yeah. think I just kind of glossed over the diary entries because I knew where it would end, so I didn't need yeah, to pay attention. That's true. But I think that was at the point where they were still trying to retcon yeah, from season one into from season, season two one to say, two to oh, make it... no, it actually happened in 1990. Yeah, so. even though we know that she was killed on in February 1989, yeah. not February 1990. Yeah, so there's, there's little things like that. Um, there's some stuff that comes out later in season two that doesn't quite match up with some of the entries in the diary. Well, it's not that it doesn't match up. I think it's just a different... Well, we... we the characters. We want to talk about some of the characters sure. that are different. Yeah, okay, yeah, we can do that. I was talking Is that about what you're talking about? No, I was just talking about like, logistics and like... Like she says, this happens first, or something like that. And oh, then it's okay. actually something else. But those are minor; those are quibbles. Let's let's talk about the characters because yeah. there are some some slight well, differences. I think, I think they're more than slight. Some are. Let's let's talk about okay. Which one do you want to talk about first? Well, I really want to talk about Leo. Okay, let's talk about Leo. He's probably the biggest shift. Do you want to start there? Or do you want to start with? No, let's start with Leo okay. because you're right. Because the Leo that we get in the show is a monster. He is an evil menacing yes. um almost like cartoonishly evil you know like yeah. he's so bad at this point in the series he's been um he's been shot we know that we don't know if he's alive or not mm-hmm. um but but he's not a good guy no he's he doesn't seem like a smart man he well, doesn't I, see yeah and i don't think he is here <laughs> well no but i got the impression in the book that he was more uh 
composed and maybe a little bit more thoughtful than he is portrayed in the series. See, and I thought so too at the start. When, the, when okay. she first meets him, I think she's, yeah, her and Bobby are 14 or so. They've just started dating. Right. And they go get the cocaine for the first time or yeah. something like that. They're, they're basically working with, not working with Leo, but they're hanging out with Leo. It's before Bobby decides to... to Become a drug dealer. Become a drug dealer, yeah. yeah. And it's and and then Leo's kind of like, like I think Lori even says like Leo's really nice. He'll take care of me. He's he's never gonna hurt me or anything right. like that. And you're like, no, this is Leo. He's gonna hurt everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then by the end, I felt like he was matching up much more closely with the Leo that we saw in the show. Like he's violent when as soon as he he thought yes. that he saw Shelly and Bobby maybe having the yeah. thing. Laura had to calm him down before he killed Bobby, kind of thing yeah. already. Yeah. And I get the I almost got the sense that Laura had infected Leo. With this dark spirit, and especially mm. uh, as his as her kind of gateway into the world of drugs, Leo right. is, is her provider for a lot of this. Um, it's almost like that almost reversed onto him, huh. um, because as the story goes on and on, he gets more violent. He gets uh, he well, starts yeah he brings it, around for like orgies and he's just kind of abusing there, her. There there is a, a scene near the end where um, she and Jacques and Leo are having a. a an encounter, a sexual encounter that she doesn't want to partake in anymore. Yeah. And they think it's part of the act. And Leo hits her hard yeah. and bruises her face. Yeah. And then Jacques is the one who like, realizes yeah, this, yeah, she's not okay. Yeah. And But, yeah, they don't really... At that point, this is quite late in the book. Yeah, this, this is probably one of the last entries. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not kind people. But I still felt like that was more care from Jacques. Like, I don't know, I... No, Jacques yeah. is another character that I'm not sure. Like he seems yeah. to be a little bit nicer in the book too. But but in saying that, I really like your theory that maybe that maybe Laura infected Leo. Yeah. Um, because here's here's a big thing for Leo for me, and it was a very telling scene. Mm-hmm. So when he first he he blindfolds her. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, Bobby seems okay. And it's kind of confusing. We'll get to Bobby in a second. But Leo blindfolds Laura, takes her into the woods, straps her down to into, into a chair, and basically there's like an orgy around Laura. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know if they were real people. And I was uh. thinking this really brought me back to another David Lynch episode, the second episode when, yeah. uh, or no, uh, Xander had to catch a killer. The third episode when yeah. uh, you get the dream sequence and there's that scene of uh, Leo meeting Mike and Bobby in the woods. Right. And he's not upset by the weird guy who's, you never, you just catch a glimpse of yeah. out in the woods who you never know who that is. Yeah. Is it a wood spirit? Is it something like that? Leo's unperturbed. Leo Leo is at home in the woods. And yes. the woods are where bad things happen. I mean, I think yes. season two, Leo gets a little away from that because he's stuck with uh, with the Wyndham Earl the whole time. Um, but it really felt to me like this was the start of maybe Leo had been taken over by some spirits as well. Maybe or if not, I mean, infected in, 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 some, in some way. way. Yeah, Because and, you're right. He is... We've, we talked about this, too, in, in the podcast, or we will be when um, those episodes air, because I don't yeah. think they've aired Yeah, we've recorded quite a few. Already, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, that he is, you know, there, there's there's plastic sheeting up on his house. Mm-hmm. That's all that's separating him from the woods outside yeah. is yeah. just this very thin membrane yeah. that, you know, and... Well, he breaks through and escapes well, yeah, into exactly. the Yeah, exactly, and that's, that's where he runs like a wild animal. Yeah. Every time he's injured, he yeah. leaves the house through the plastic sheeting yeah. and into the woods, and yeah. shrieks as he leaves. And, yeah, yeah that that is interesting that maybe... I, I was thinking also um, that it could be Laura's, Laura's naivete kind of 
you know, she sees Leo as a big protector at yeah. first, and then as she gets older and she wiser, realizes she realizes he's not. What a dick he is, yeah. But I think I think maybe your theory is more. No, I think I think it's probably both. I mean, yeah, I mean, Leo doesn't have. I couldn't. Shelley I won't put it past David Lynch to, or I mean. Yeah, that 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 could absolutely happen, and maybe that's the or first he took it from it. yeah yeah like you know after they wrote this he's like oh yeah we should build this back yeah into it, you know? yeah so and it could yeah. also be just you know what um, Eric brings to the role mm-hmm. right to Leo's role yeah. so there's yeah no there's there's lots there's lots, there. of, lots to it but it is the biggest shift between what we saw on screen and what um, is well, in the book second you, biggest to me. okay I think I think. Not necessarily the character of Donna, but oh, uh, yeah, okay. but Laura's relationship with Donna yeah. is very different in in the especially the TV series. Yeah, Firewalk with Me casts a bit of a doubt on their relationship, but even then, it's not. I mean, Firewalk with Me is her last week, and her and Donna they have that scene, and they're the start of the well, they're two thirds of the movie yeah. where they're they're just laying on the couch, yeah. looking up into the sky. They're as comfortable as comfortable can be. They're, they're best friends. best friends. They have been since childhood. And in the book, there is like a three-year period where it doesn't seem like there's much going on. There. No, the, like at one point, Laura says, "I'm not even friends with her anymore," yeah. and she just kind of moves on. And you're like, "Okay, well, that doesn't really match up with what's in the series." Right. Um, and I feel like that's maybe a, a a result of writing it in nine days. It's like, "Well, yeah, Donna, she was a major character. Uh, I'll just say that they weren't friends for a bit." Could be. You know, it was. It seems. It seemed a bit rushed because. In everything else, Donna and her really do seem inseparable. And that uh, in Fire Walk Me, especially, uh, Laura viewed Donna as the good Laura, who, right. who Laura can no longer be. Right. Uh, and she goes out of her way to protect Donna, and she does not want Donna following her down this sex and drug fueled path. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, but in the book, it's just like, well, I'm just kind of like, it's similar thing. She does try and like protect Donna still, but it's not. She does it by pushing her away again, right? Which again does happen. Okay, I'm contradicting myself a bit here. No, no, no. I think, but I think that's part of the. It's it's part of what we're what we're looking at here. It's just that that it's it's a confusing thing yeah. to try and navigate. I think I think it's almost impossible to try and fit it in and reconcile it completely no. with what we see on on screen. And I mean, I was reading that that Jennifer Lynch was basically given free reign. She was told yeah. who the killer was. And they said, "Yep, just run with it," and she did. And what happened after that? I mean, how yeah. much, however much was was brought in from the book to the series? I mean, somebody out there knows, but it's not us. We no. have no idea. No, and no, yeah, um, I'm sure. But the, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's trying to fit it in at this point. It's just it's notable anyway to yes. to say that these things are different. Yeah. Um, I want to come back to that idea when we okay. get through all the, the inconsistencies because I have a theory about what that might represent. Okay. But okay. Um, so, who yeah. are some other characters that you felt or situations that you felt were inconsistent? Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know if inconsistent. I, yeah, I guess inconsistent is a subject. I'm trying to get to they're different. Yeah. Whether okay. or not it's you want to label it as an inconsistent right, okay. one over yeah. one that implies an imperior yeah. superiority of one of the, over yeah, the other. Yeah. Right. Um, which is fine. I mean, if you want to view. But we know we know that, that, that yes, but we know how Mark Frost and David Lynch feel about the word canon. Yes, well, exactly. at least Mark Frost, canon yeah, is not a is not, not a, thing. a thing that we think no. about. So so yeah, I, I inconsistency not, so. is not the right word, but yeah. but just different. Yeah, the, the differences and I, a big one for me is Bobby. Um, see, and I didn't notice as much of a difference a difference with with Bobby and Laura. Yeah, see, I'm I, curious what you're what you're gonna say. My here. my two big things are that they were together forever. 
it sounds like in the books they in the book uh, they started dating at 14 maybe it's like they were just entering high school grade nine type yeah he used to tease thing. her before like they knew yeah, who, they, yeah. who they were yeah they they were friends and, he, and bobby of. mentions that he felt like they were always going to be destined to be together yeah because they were like they were even early on they were the popular ones right, right like right. he was always the, the you the know the cute jock and then and she, she was, was the, the pretty cute blonde. yeah exactly yeah so they were just meant to be together yeah um but yeah, in the in the TV series though, I got the sense that yes, they probably they'd been dating for maybe a year, a year mm-hmm. and a half. Um, but it was it's puppy not like, love, or it was yeah, yeah, high it was still love. yeah, it was still young and fresh. Whereas right. here, by the time the end of the book, like Laura's tired of him, and mm-hmm. like she really wants, she's just like she's at se- at several points they talk about how he's she's just using him for cocaine. Um, well, I think which that's, is, comes that's, in Firewalk with me. Yes, well. and I was going to say it's it's far more consistent with the relationship that we see in Firewalk with me, where um, by the end Laura was manipulating as much yes. as she was being manipulated. Yes, right? especially Bobby for yeah. the cocaine. But in, again, in the in the book, he's coming to that realization when they're fifteen and sixteen yeah, or and so. And he's okay with it. Almost. And he, yeah, he's already he's already kind of made his peace where, with it. Whereas the one really emotional scene between the two of them is near the end of Firewalk with me. And he's, yeah. he realizes you don't even love me. You just want me for the for the blow. Was yeah. I think how he describes it, and that was kind of a, a big moment for Bobby's character. Whereas in the book, it was it, he'd already done that realization two or three times. Almost like he yeah. he's also okay with her sleeping with Leo and Jacques and Jacques and having like these he has no which were in. In the, the well, in Firewalk with me and in the Twin first Peaks, episode of the series, yeah, he's very, very much defensive. jealous and yes. and wants to kick James's ass. Yeah. And um, I don't know if that's maybe you know it's like a alpha beta male type thing where you know yeah Bobby is the beta is gonna be like yeah okay Leo you yeah. can have my girlfriend but when it's James, James. who he fuses Omega, yeah, he's you like, know no, he's no, like no, no that's, not, that's right. not gonna happen. So it, it, it it's also, maybe one of those, but... Yeah, it also kind of... Uh, also, remember, I mean, the first episode of Twin Peaks, this book wasn't written. Yeah, of course None not. Of those, yeah, yeah, so yeah, no, I know. But th- that's I'm also, reading into it a little bit yeah, too much, no, but yes. Okay. But it's true. Uh, well, and even, like, Bobby's relationship with Shelley and Leo, yeah. like, that seems much less complex. It's almost like Leo's just a scary figure who happens to be his drug dealer. Yeah. Not like... In the series, you mean. Yeah, in the series. Yeah. Not like where they've been sharing a girlfriend for... Right. Three years. You yes, know? exactly. Like, so... Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's definitely... Um, I see what you're, what you're getting at. It's more the situational aspect of, of what Bobby is and, and the relationships that Bobby has with the other characters yeah. that is drawn into... Uh, that's contrasted with yeah. the series and, yeah. and Firewalk With Me as well. I mean, I, I think it kind of works here, but it... it, it I don't know... I found the pacing of the book a little odd because, A, it makes that big jump when she starts getting molested, theoretically, how we've kind of described it. Um, And then there's a big period from, like, 14 to 16 where a lot of stuff happens. That's when she, Bobby, and Leo go on a drug drug trade or a drug transaction, and she steals a kilogram of, of cocaine. Uh, and, and Bobby, Bobby shoots kills a guy, guy, and they're like they're like fourteen or fifteen at this point. And young, yeah, yeah, like very young. Yeah, and it was very like all this stuff happens, and then at the end, it's kind of like okay, there's a lot of pages torn out of the book, out yeah. of the the diary, whatever. Um, but like the last year and a half is like I don't know, yeah, ten pages maybe right. in the in the. It goes very yeah, quickly. Very very quickly. So. And it feels like a lot of it was just like, oh, yeah, what happened in the series? I've got to tie it back in. Like, Maybe. she meets Dr. Jacoby. She meets James. Like, James is mentioned once in yeah. the whole diary, um, which seems... You know. Well, keep in mind, she does... This is her, this is her diary 
And then she has the other yeah, diary the, that she fakes, that yes. she writes, and that's the one that, that she Cooper says the first finds. Day. So, and then and then in those those last few pages of the book, that's where you get um, Laura's time at One Eye Jacks, mm-hmm. her relationship with Blackie. Yeah. Um, Relationship with Josie. Her relationship with Josie. Which and, is very different than what I had ever pictured. Yeah, and her relationship with Harold as well. Yeah. Um, so in very quick succession, she manipulates three people into having sex with her. Yeah. And there are three characters that we've seen on screen and who were... were well, Harold at this point we haven't seen, but um, we will soon be introduced to him in, in season two. Yeah. Um, and it's not that it's not... It's very believable that this yes. that this would happen, but it does happen very quickly. Yes. And I'm not sure. I think this is all just to to underscore the fact that Laura um, was spiraling, was spiraling, and was this expert manipulator. This was yeah, what brilliant. she was doing at the end of her life. Um, she'd abandoned all pretense of trying to be good. Yeah. She was no longer the girl who felt bad over hitting the cat yeah. in the road or letting her horse Toby go. Yeah. Um, she's seen too much. She mentions that she's seen way too much death for someone her age. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna mess with it with anybody's head. Yeah. But a 16, 17 year old girl is gonna you know. Really. Yeah. And and I think that that's she mentions at one point earlier in the diary that there are two Lauras, and there's the brave Laura. And there's the scared Laura. And the brave Laura is the one that, that hurts people and that goes out and faces Bob. And and then there's the scared little girl Laura who is hiding so deep inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it's, it's absolutely believable that it, by the end of the novel she's broken out of any kind of, yeah, like I said, pretense of being good. Mm-hmm. And she's just going to do... It, 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 she's she's polar opposite. She's doing the most horrible, horrible things on one side, and on the other side, she's you know teaching English lessons and babysitting Johnny Horn yeah. and running the Meals on Wheels yeah. and being friends with Harold Smith. And it's it's such an interesting. I'm I'm curious what you do. You have anything to add about that, or what, well, what I mean, are your thoughts about? Yeah, like like I said, it's at the beginning. It's it's a nice summary of Twin Peaks. There's there's the two halves to everything, and. There's a doppel Laura and there's the good Laura. Yeah. And um, I think this thinking and this separation is what drove David Lynch. I mean, here's the other thing. This was written before season two. Season two was, and we've talked about this, an abrupt change in terms yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, it introduced far more supernatural. It it developed a lot more characters in different ways. And, and established it. characters got resets, we said. Yes, almost. yes. So this novel wound up impacting i think season that that's season two reset okay i think the the novel kind of provided the clarity of focus that um in terms of themes and in terms of laura's character as being so central um and also you know obviously introducing really fleshing out bob as the bad guy um which by the end of season one wasn't there remember everything well, was still pointing to leo as being yeah the, yeah no the we hadn't we'd, we'd heard of bob but it wasn't clear that well there wasn't any supernatural well, that was, I mean, there's, there's that, a dream. There was, but not the way that it was introduced in season two. No, no, exactly. I'm going to stop you really briefly just to say that um, by the point when this book was released and as she was writing it, season two was already being filmed. 
So oh, yeah, 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 she, yeah. She, it's not like she had direct input no, no, into no. the events of... No, I'm just saying, like, whatever they told her when they were starting, yeah. they gave her instructions on how to write it. They probably mentioned a I'm few sure, more and there were conversations exactly. that must have happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like this is really okay. leading into that, that, that change in season mm-hmm. two. Um, whether it was just organically, it feels like. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yep, yeah, she wrote this, and it also happened to fit in well with, with where the, the characters went. Um, yeah, and that's, that's really all I had on that. So nothing, you said that the relationship with Laura and Josie, between Laura and Josie, yes. surprised you? Yeah. Because, well, A, you find out before, like, nine or ten episodes before anybody in, on the show would, that Josie was a prostitute in right. Hong Kong, um, and Andrew Packard brought her back. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Josie's story, and we've talked about this again in episodes that are going to be released in the coming weeks, yes. Uh, the Josie's character gets really more interesting again. I mean, she... Yeah. She's gone so far from that first kind of glance of her in the in the opening episode, uh, and here you get like a bombshell basically yeah. of Josie's past, um, and it's interesting that she chose to talk about um, her as a prostitute, right? Because Laura's been prostituting right. herself at this point in the novel. Uh, it's near the end, and so you wonder if she's kind of seeing she's kind of seeing a bit of herself in Josie, maybe, and she doesn't you know she's trying to help her. Uh, resettle in her new life, but then she also has to go in there and sleep with Josie. Which well, because I Josie get... throws herself at her, yes. right? Which is something that is very different from the Josie that we see on screen. Who well, is well? I'm not. I'm not saying that Josie doesn't throw herself at Truman, at Truman yeah. Sheriff Truman, but Sheriff Truman does a way more throwing. Let's say yes. So I think Josie being an object of desire versus being the pursuer. Yeah. Is a difference that we we've never seen, and Laura kind of gives in, but yeah. it's but even admits at that point that it's still she she yeah. she manipulated Josie into having sex yeah. with her, yeah. and so that's the thing. So I don't know if Josie's actually the one, right? Like, but Josie imagines we, herself, I think, yeah. as the pursuer in that case. So that's yeah. that's an interesting thing for me just to see the difference the the way that Josie reacts with a woman yes. versus the way that she reacts with yeah. um, Sheriff Truman or Jonathan even. Yeah. Where it's almost like sex with a man is, and that, that might be, and, yeah. well, yeah, it might be, it might be, a, uh, maybe Josie is, you know, if not a lesbian, maybe she's bisexual. Maybe she's just more attracted to women. Maybe this is an element of her character that was never explored, yeah. but sex with men is something that's, you know, reminder well, I mean, of the prostitution yeah, exactly. and I mean, if years it's of abuse a duty, that she yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like maybe, she uses it as a way. I mean, that's what Laura even started when her when her bisexuality came right. out. It was really about like, oh well, it's kind of, it's not a man. It's different than when yeah. it's Bob doing right. it to me. It's right. it's something I can enjoy. And she at one point says like, I love having sex with women because I know exactly what they want and yeah. I can do it to them uh, so much yeah. better. Whereas with a man, it's always kind of that divide, right? Right. Um, so yeah, which is interesting because. Um, because Laura herself is divided and is mm. out of touch with a lot of parts of... Well, she's in touch, but not really. Like, there's that, like I said, yeah. the part of her that's hidden. Um, and a lot of that comes out... I, I really like in the early early scenes in the book where she's kind of exploring her sexuality and she talks about the first time she masturbates. Mm-hmm. And these are all... Um, they're all important moments for, for a young woman. They're colored. They're tainted for, for Laura because of her involvement with... Well, I keep using that word. It's a euphemism. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the the brutal assault that she's been suffering for years at the hands of Bob mm-hmm. have tainted her experience 
to such an extent. It's the only time I feel that Twin Peaks ever ever punishes someone for sex. Laura doesn't feel that sex is bad, but she feels that sex is bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There, that, the, and and she comes back to this. I, I think it's is she Catholic or she's at least Christian. She mentions she being to church. Yeah. yeah, I I assumed it was Catholic, but I could be. Way there's off some Catholic on overtones. It feels, it, feels Catholic, it does yeah. feel right. Yeah. So, so I mean, um, there's a lot of that where there's going to be like definite guilt coming in there. Yeah. Um, but, but she still doesn't shy away from that. Her sexuality is something that gives her. Um, so, so Laura tries to punish herself for what she likes. Yeah. She likes to be roughed up. She likes rough sex. She likes hard kisses and she you know like these are things that really turn her on um she feels like she shouldn't be allowed to have that so she punishes herself by denying herself these things even though that's a futile effort because she's it's what she wants it's who she is and i think that's a very interesting point in in that she's punishing herself but still sex is one area where she can exert control over her Mm -hmm. over her life and over the people in in her lives like josie like Harold, like Leo, like Leo, yeah. like Bobby, mm-hmm. um, to some extent, probably even Doctor Jacoby. Yeah. Although we don't get a lot of that in yeah. the book, but um, so so these these relationships that are thrown in very quickly at the end of the book, where she's manipulating people into sex. I think that's just it's the end game. It's the end result of all these years of denying herself these sexual pleasures and punishing herself for what she wants. Suddenly, it's something that she can use mm-hmm. to take control. It's horrible that that's also the thing that she loves so much. And she really does love sex. And, yeah. the, and it's not a bad thing. Like, that's mm-hmm. what people do. We like sex. It's not, an, it's not a bad thing. But it's the thing that's being used to torment her yeah. by Bob. Well, and that's the thing. Like, at one point, she has a conversation with Bob. And that's the next thing I, I want to mm-hmm. get into. But um, she has a conversation with Bob where she basically says, like, no, you know what? I love fucking. Basically, is what she comes down to. He's like, yeah, because you're a fucking slut or something. Yeah, and you're she's dirty. Like, and yeah, you're dirty and gross. Yeah. And she's like, no, I just love it. And then he just pounds it into her head, like, no, nobody actually yeah. enjoys having sex yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. You have you have an odor. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they yeah. describe that. That was just so telling of of how. I mean, that's that's the really disturbing part for me is that all these uh, these attempts by Laura to rationalize and figure her way through this. Every time she gets close, Bob literally interrupts her on the page. Yeah. And that's and that's really um it to me, I really disliked it as a writing technique and as a writing convention. Mm-hmm. Um because it didn't make any sense to me. Like I'm but, thinking, okay. No, go ahead. Sorry, no, I No, no, I was you. just gonna say, like, so she's writing in her diary and all of a sudden Bob comes in and writes in all caps in her diary as well. Yeah, yeah. And then they have like a back and forth. It's like a dialogue between her and Bob. Yeah. And on the page. On the page. In real time. In real time. Which really does not make much sense to me at all. Because if she, if he started writing, taking yeah, over. Yeah, if, if I was writing in my diary and all of a sudden I, I was auto-writing like, and it was not me, I would throw my pen away yeah, and, and throw close the book it across and, the room. Yeah. Like, that's what I would do. And, yeah. So it, it but feels Laura, like. But Laura's facing Bob with, with bravery, I think, at that point and allowing him to. In some cases. The first time, though, it happened, she's like, what was that? Oh, my yeah, God, diary. Yeah, Did yeah, you yeah. see that? And it's like, okay, I can. I can kind of buy that one. Sure. But then afterwards, like, the very next one, they're having, like, a back and forth. Like, it's, like, yeah, it's witty dialogue. The one, the one time where it really bothered me was where she was describing in real time, I think, how she was walking up the stairs, and I'm going to my room, and I, I got to my room, and and he was behind the door. Bob was Bob was in my room. And then, 
and then it starts the dialogue right there. It yeah. almost felt like, like, is she, was she just, she, she could, she wasn't actually walking up the stairs writing right. in her diary, was she? No. And if it was after the fact, like, it, Bob isn't going to stand there and let her finish writing and then take over for her and start writing in her book, yeah. right? Maybe I'm thinking too much of this, but it was something that really no. did bring me out of. Yeah. It, but yeah. I will say that. Um, well, can I say my thing? Oh, I thought you were I, done. No, no, I was just getting, because all this is just getting back okay. to the point of saying there, there are those instances where she is really trying to uh, talk her way out of it and, and understand okay. what's happening to right. her, where her emotions lie, yeah. if she can still become a good person and do good things. Yeah. And that's when Bob interjects and has yeah. the conversations right. with him and, and he just puts her down and he tells yep. her you're lying to yourself you're you're a horrible person you're going to be in hell uh was a big thing mm-hmm. um and yeah we can get into that a little bit later uh and and that was that was so telling to me because it was like every time she was she was getting close bob would literally come in and and to me it it always felt like bob was already within within her which of course is the big conflict in firewalk with me is bob wants to be come laura and yeah here it feels like he's already got his his claws in her. He can right. he can make her. Well, it does it stuff. does make you question what the nature of Bob is as a mm-hmm. as an entity or as a as a thing. Yeah. Um, but even more to this was my point too. Um, it it almost lends credence to the theory that Bob is a, a psychological mm-hmm. artifact yeah. of Laura's abuse. Yeah. Because you're right. Every time she comes to these great realizations. Something he inside of her, interjects. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, I suffer from depression and anxiety. These are things that I deal with on a regular basis or the, the mean self-talk that I do to myself. It's not Bob. I'm not saying yeah. it's anything near like that. But I can relate to that, that, yeah. there's, that there's something in my head that yells yeah. at me and tells me I'm no good. Yeah. So if I was 17 or 16 or 15 and I was experiencing these things, then I would, you know, it... it, it it might come out this way, yeah. you know, and I might have a dialogue with my inner my inner voice, and well, my therapist might say there. that I, it's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's a way to process it. Obviously, like yeah, well, especially it, when your inner voice is the outer thing that's been molesting you for right. your whole life. So right? this is this was what I was getting at was that is Bob? It's so muddy because no, Bob yeah. is seen by people outside of Laura. Yeah. Laura is not the only person who sees Bob. Yeah. Um, no, but, we've talked about this in the past. I there's, know, there's but no... it's but in the book it becomes even more. It, it, yes, it really it does is. seem like it's a psychological yeah, thing. Absolutely, it's a, a coping mechanism for Laura, more like like the cocaine, right? It's mm-hmm. something that she uses to externalize, even though it's very much an internal thing. It's something that she can point to. This is Bob talking. It's mm-hmm. not me talking. It's Bob telling me that I have an odor. Mm-hmm. These are all things that that girls deal with yeah. like oh my god i'm not clean down there because i smell funny but no that's normal yeah. but a 16 year old who's who thinks she's not normal well, is, and who's yeah, and who's been being, being molested yes exactly yeah, so yeah. i mean there's there's it's it's so muddy yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it does quite it did make me question anyway whether or not again it made me question whether or not bob was a real thing well that's even she asked at some points yeah. right she's like is bob real i don't know and then yeah. sometimes she's like no nobody else is in this room and this yeah, yeah, just yeah. happened so this is just in my head he's just in my head yeah so, exactly i mean yeah but then at the end that. she's like i know who he is yeah. so yeah no, who is he what yes. is he <laughs> 
Somebody Still please don't know. tell us. No, don't. It's better not to know. Okay. Um, um I yeah. wanna I wanna talk about a few more things. I don't know how many more notes you I have. I just have one about the season two characters that you meet okay. early in the book, but let's do your stuff first. Nope, my thing is a wrap up, so Okay. So yeah, uh season two characters you meet in the book first. Yeah. Are Harold. Yep. Uh the Tremons, yes. very briefly. Um Why did that you mentioned that as being interesting and I don't know why. Because What's the Tremonts only appear in David Lynch. <laughs> and so, I mean, okay, if they're already filming season two already when she's, yeah. like, writing this, she probably had access to the first couple of scripts, and she's like, oh, okay, I, I'll, I'll add a little bit in about this. Um, but to me, the Tremonts are one of the most interesting characters in Twin Beaks. They are one of the most enigmatic because... There's two of them. Exactly. There's two of them. You say they are one of the most. I'm just correcting your grammar. That's all. They are some of the most. Two of the most? They are two of the most. Two of but, some but of they, the most. They, they is a grouping. The tree <laughs> yeah, mons yeah, yeah, okay. is. No, the tree mons are. You're right. Yeah. So they are one of the most interesting <laughs> yes. groups of characters. Uh, <laughs> now I'm going to make them so self-conscious. Jesus. I'm so uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, in the series, just because yeah. of their short appearance in yeah. season two, they're in one they're episode. they're very enigmatic when they do appear. We and have they no set in, for them. Uh, they set in motion a whole chain of events. Yes. They mention Garmin Bosia, basically, for the yeah. first time. The cream, the cream corn, corn that comes into play. Yeah. Um, their connection with Harold, who yes. is also revealed in the book, like yes. you said. Um, and then their reappearance in Fire Walk With Me, which is They're not the Tremonts anymore, they're the Chalfonts. They're Chalfonts, but they're the same characters. And in the credits, they're listed as Chalfonts slash Tremonts. Yep. Uh, and yeah, the role they play is very, very obscure. They're, they're in scenes in potentially the Black Lodge, uh, probably the above the convenience store. Yeah. Uh, with all the other Black Lodge spirits that we know of. What? It's in the other room. I was it? gonna grab a book and reference it. Okay. It's okay. So yeah, they're in that they're in that convenience store room. They're also uh, they just appear in the real world to Laura. They give her the picture that it's, lets her enter the dream world yep. and interact with uh, Annie yep. and Cooper again. They, they, of all the ones, besides maybe the giant and the old waiter man, yeah. are the, the most positive of the spirit creatures uh, that we that we meet in the series. They're positive by, by in absentia, but, really, because they don't yeah. do anything bad, but I'm not sure they're good. No, no idea if they're good. That's the really disturbing yeah, yeah. thing, is that we really don't know anything about them. Um, I mean, they, they do point Laura to realize, to see who Bob was the first time. Uh, sure. They send her home and say, the guy... Behind the mask is the man behind the mask is yeah. is looking for the book behind the corner or behind, behind the dresser. The, yeah, yeah. Um, and so Laura rushes home and sees Bob, then sees her father exit. Yeah. Starts that whole path. But again, maybe they are just agents of fate, those two. Yeah. The fact that they appear in the Black Lodge. Anyways, I think they're really interesting, <laughs> uh, obviously. <laughs> I've talked about them now. And that they're brought up in such a casual way. Yes. She just says, I just dropped off their food and left it on the doorstep and, and asked for a key. Yes. To their yeah, house, like exactly. it's, it's and, and he pulled out a coin on... behind my ear. Yeah, and and like coins are good luck mementos yeah. and stuff like that. You, you gotta wonder like if that was supposed to be some sort of talisman or something to help Laura. I I thought of the coin of fate. We yeah, talked yeah. about this on the podcast as well. Aiden yes. and I have a coin of fate, a couple yeah. coins of fate. Yeah, that's so what I thought. Of. Yeah, no, maybe that you know we flip a coin to to yeah. see things like you know. Yeah. So. It, Anyways, I thought it was uh, just interesting that they introduced yeah. them, especially Harold makes, obviously you need Harold to have this make any sense yeah, right. uh, in terms of the sequence of the series. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I thought it was, it was interesting. Um, I also confirming that she did sleep with Harold yeah, and that she realized it was a bad thing. Like she like basically took his home, which was like the one safe place for him. Yeah. Uh, and then 
slept with him there and kind of well like, forced yourself on him yeah she says yeah he couldn't talk to her for an hour afterwards yeah. because it was such a violation i think that's it changes my perspective yes, on harold. harold quite a bit yeah and i kind of forgotten about that when we were going through when the we series it, yeah. talking about harold yeah. i'd kind of forgotten that 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 had all happened and yeah. it does color him in a different way as well because i don't I yeah, think, maybe because I, I don't he's really think looking he's for. He's as manipulative anymore. I think. He, I think. I think he yeah. is. If he is manipulative, it's just because he doesn't have anything. He doesn't else. know how else yeah. to do it. Yeah, it's not I malicious. True. I think it's a little less malicious. Mm-hmm. I still don't. I still think he knows better than well, sure how he, he treats Donna does. and how he's trying to to sleep with her. Like he's really pursuing her, and that in the series, I got the sense that that's what he did with Laura too. But here in the book, it's like, no, no, Laura is obviously mm-hmm. the one in charge of, yeah. of sex. And, and that's and that's what I was getting at with the whole, like, this is this is Laura using sex as a way to get things that, or, or not even to get things, just to assert control yeah. over one area of her life. Yeah. Um, and, and not in a positive way. She doesn't feel positive about any of these sexual no. encounters that she has with these season two characters. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Blackie is also reintroduced here yes. as a heroin addict, which yeah. we, we didn't know about in yeah. season one. Um, so... And, uh, her sister, what's her name? Nancy. Nancy is also interested. She's the, the last season two character. Yeah, briefly she's very briefly brought up, but there's not much. And, and the pages are torn out right afterwards. Yeah. So you have to wonder what was... Going on between was the three of them. Or what was said on the page that yeah. would cause Bob to... Uh, it's Bob ripping out the pages, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was one of my last points was, uh, what do you think was on the pages that were ripped out? Yeah. There are several, several places where pages are being ripped out. Um, most of the, I, if you didn't know about the, the story, I guess you would assume that the, the, that the pages being ripped out were, um, By Laura? well, no, that, well, maybe, but, but that the, the times when she realizes that someone else has been reading yes. her diary, you would assume that the pages that were ripped out would be incriminating to whoever yeah, was ripping them out. I don't know if that's the case. I think... Well, what do you think? What do you think is on the pages that are being ripped up? Yeah, no, I always assumed that, yes, it was it was Bob saying something, either finding something that would lead her uh, to realize that, or to lead a reader to realize who it was, mm-hmm. that it was Leland, or um, something that revealed a weakness of Bob's in some ways. Mm, okay. Um, because, again, that's, and I've harped on this many times in this show, the show bothers me because there's no way of attacking the bad people. Right. <laughs> there's no way of defeating a Bob-like character. You just have to let well, him kill you. This is, is really... this is the thing that I think you're right that that it's it's something that would lead Bob to feel vulnerable. Yeah, and I think or or Leland to feel mm-hmm. vulnerable. And I think um, I can't remember where I read this, but it 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 might have been in the same interview with Jennifer Lynch where she said it was something like um, like an attack on his ego, an attack on him, his pride or something mm-hmm. that would cause him to react that way and tear out the pages. Um, but you said like there's no way for to attack the evil and I think that's that's the whole point of the book is Laura realizing yeah. that in order to attack Bob, she has she is what he wants. She has to take that away from him. Yeah. So it's this slow five year long journey. Um, to that realization, to that, realization yeah. that she has to chew off her own foot before yeah. the rat chews it off for yeah. her. That's very telling. I mean, it's very obvious in the book, but it, by the end, it has such more, such dramatic um, yeah. meaning or, yeah. or whatever. And it, and it really, I mean, Fire Walk With Me 
makes that clear. Absolutely. Um, Especially book, in the final scene, Laura's yeah. death scene is yeah. like hugely. Yeah. It's this. It is right? it, exactly it is that summarized. Um, whereas in the book, it doesn't clarify. She says, "Oh, I found out who Bob is. I'm going to give my diary to Harold Smith." Yeah. It doesn't get into those final details. Obviously, it can't because it's, yeah. it's the diary before her death. Yes. Um, but the book really augments what you see in Firewalk. Oh, and yeah. And saying, like, oh, yes, this is so this is a realization she's been coming to for many years. Many it, years. it kind of starts Firewalk with me. She takes the diary to Harold and she says, well, Bob wants to be me or he's going to kill me. And it, it's a very quick setup of that dynamic. And it doesn't really get much more explanation than mm-hmm. that. Um, but if you read the book first and you then you watch the movie, you'd be like, years oh, yes, of, I know yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. what's going on here. Yeah. And it would make a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think it, they do complement each other really well. Absolutely. Way. And I think they, they, I mean, I read the diary after I'd seen Firewalk with me. I don't know if I'd recommend reading it before. I think seeing the film. Yeah, no, the film is, on its own is, is important is really to watch. Good. Yeah, it's, a, it's like yeah. watch the series and watch Firewalk with me, then read the secret diary of yeah. Palmer, right? So, but, um, but yeah, you're right. It, it, they complement each other very, very well. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it just it just goes to show that Laura Palmer is the most interesting character in Twin Peaks. By far. <laughs> By far. And and this book is, I think, fairly... Cons- or, um, across the board, people agree it's it's the best, or one of the best anyway, yeah. of of the... The greater ethos of, of Twin well, Peaks. Well, or, you know, the, the, uh, the extra bonus content that mm-hmm. you get right the special features as, as you would put yeah. it maybe yeah. um there's this there's my life my tapes which is the autobiography of dale cooper there's the access guide to twin peaks which is kind of a jokey tourist book yeah. um we've got the secret history of twin peaks now which i would say is is up there yeah i and that that was the interesting thing for me just like uh this just like the diary yeah it had inconsistencies it had its own it had its own narrative structure it yeah. was not tied down to anything that had appeared before it wanted to be its own thing and it worked really well at that i think it worked better than the secret history because the secret history still basically relied on you uh having read or having seen the series like at the end of the day it's not it's hard to fathom because there's so many characters going on and and you don't know how important the milfords are or Mm -hmm. what's going on with all of that stuff um until uh much later Unless you've seen the series. If you've seen the yeah. series, you're like, oh, wow, this is there's a lot more to that Milford guy yeah. than, than I thought when he croaked over and let in Milford's bed. Um, wait, was he the one who died? Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this book is, it feels much more uh, like it can stand on its own. It is. And, and I think she deliberately wrote it that way mm-hmm. so that it could be. Yeah. You didn't have to watch the show to yeah. get. Maybe you'd miss some nuance. Yeah. You'd miss, but but it's still. But no, it yeah, all the characters are introduced a, and everything. Yeah, yeah. But I want to thank you for bringing up the inconsistencies once more because that's my final point I want to okay. talk about. So, with relation to these other works that have come out around Twin Peaks, every single one of them seems to be plagued with what we call inconsistencies mm-hmm. between it and the show, um, which, for all intents and purposes, we'll consider canon yes sure. for the for the for the purpose for this purpose conversation of the series or the movie because the movie and the series are inconsistent that's what i'm getting at okay <laughs> so so my point is that and i think this these were this was another one of those lynchian happy accidents this is my own personal theory i have nothing to back it up aside from my own opinion i have no idea if anybody else has come up with this um 
but here goes. I think that this was a happy accident, that there were inconsistencies littered throughout, and there was no way to avoid that. It happens in The Secret Diary. It happens in uh, Agent Cooper's autobiography. Um, there are inconsistencies in uh, The Secret History of Twin Peaks that we've talked about. Inconsistencies between Firewalk With Me and the show. Yeah. And I think that this all furthers my my pet theory that there are more than there's more than one Twin Peaks out there. Yeah. And that these are all the versions of the story that exist in another either alternate timeline or alternate Twin Peaks universe. I think it's a very elegant theory. I think that it 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 may, you know, maybe there's someone out there who can put them together in some kind of grand unified theory. <laughs> You're laughing at me, but yeah. I really like this idea no, no. because I think it's so fascinating that that even if the, even if it isn't like truly different universes, I think there's there's um, there's a very poignant point to everybody's story being different. Yes, because your own experience of your life, and that's what we have in the Secret Diary, and that's what we have in the autobiography, which we haven't talked about. We'll, we'll get to, um, and what we get in the Secret History of Twin Peaks, which is another epistolary novel where it's other people's words it's their letters and their their personal thoughts these are it's it's not wrong it's not untrue your own personal experiences can never be untrue right to you they are what they are and i think that there's something very poignant about that and and whether or not i i I still believe that there's multiple universes out there because I, i like that theory you will have to pry it from my cold dead hands. But even if it isn't, even if this is just literally Laura's interpretation of what's happened to her, yeah. it's so, I love that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, and it's so well, it's vi- personal. vital. And it's, yeah, exactly. It makes you really believe that Laura, yeah. it was like a real person. And yes. she had, these experiences were viscerally true for her you yeah know? they exactly. they're they've affected this living breathing character that is coming off the page onto you so so strong and, and so and, yeah and, and to be a a, a young girl mm-hmm. and to have that truth be be presented in such a way that's a powerful thing because mm-hmm. you know and to be to have it be written by a woman as well mm-hmm. it's it's you know Here's the feminist in me, but I mean, we're, women aren't aren't often portrayed in movies or television as as having these kinds of access to these experiences, or they yeah. do, but they're not explored in this kind of detail no. ever, no. hardly ever. No. So it's you know, as a feminist text, I think this is a very important one. Yeah, and and it leads into a, the, the age that this came out. Yeah, in. Like, this I know. Is really, I mean, okay, there's obviously far more sorted stuff that had come out by this point. Of but, but not on about a mainstream character in in a, on a TV show that was on, on ABC. On like, network. That, that's just... Yeah. That's crazy. Like, as far as, like, formalized fan fiction, which is not what this is. This is, you know, this was sanctioned and this was sure. professionally done. Um, but in, in, there are other mediums or other series that have stuff like that. Mm-hmm. None of them go into, well, okay, I started getting raped after I had my period, yeah, you know? like, yeah. And he made me touch his sticky fingers and stuff like that. Like made all my hands sticky. Yeah, like it all was, the, yeah. you know, they're just all the details and the horrific 
where she talks about how addicted she is to cocaine and almost getting yeah almost getting raped and killed by four big trucker dudes Mm -hmm. like these kind of stories did not get told no about you know pretty girls on network television Mm -mm. you know so this is really yeah the fact that it was it's 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 a i hesitate to say it's a watershed moment because i don't think it changed much no i I don't don't, i think the impact was very less. fairly yes. limited. It, yeah. it, it made a few ripples, I'm sure, but it it but it, it coincided with the ripples that were being made by the show. It yeah. wasn't, yeah. you know, it's it's not like uh, this isn't, you know, some uh, yeah tender buttons or yeah, 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 you yeah. know something by Simone de Beauvoir. It's yeah. not like a, a a landmark like this is going to change the world. But but I feel like it was ahead of its time. Yeah, though, you know, like now if okay if there was a tie-in novel for. Orange is Scandal. the New Black. Yeah, or Orange is the New Black or something right. like that. You'd be like, yeah, okay, of course there's going to be yeah. someone who's on Had drugs horrible and, experiences yeah, and this is and going this. to change who they are. But not in 1990. Like, right. really, there, this, A, this and, wasn't and, being approached by yeah. television, so of course it wasn't going to be tied in. And then B, to, to tie it in so directly and have a bestseller on your hands. Like, I can't imagine... Yeah. You know, a housewife in suburban Cleveland, you know, picking this up. Oh, I like Twin Peaks. Who killed Laura Palmer? I'm going to find out. Oh, my God. She's getting gang raped by like 20 yeah, guys. Yeah, like yeah. that's that. I don't think they were ready for that in, in 19. Right. And that that. But Maybe that's why know, but. that's why I think it's so important that it's it's out there. And mm-hmm. I think, like I said, the fact that it's about a young woman. Yeah. And it's in her voice. Yes. It's a very powerful moment to re- when you realize that. That this is Laura taking back control. Mm-hmm. And after you've gone on this harrowing journey with her through, you know, her entire teenage years yeah. up until, the, like, days before her death. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a very, it's a very powerful book. Yeah. Yes. And I will admit that the first time I read it, I did not like it. it really? It provoked a very strong reaction in yeah. me. I, I, I remember... Well, even this time, like, we've both had Twin Peaks dreams yeah. in the last few <laughs> yeah, days. Yeah. I had one uh, a couple of nights ago yeah. about Laura, where yeah. I was, um, she, it was the scene from Fire Walk With Me where she's with Harold, and her well, face, yeah, her gets face all turns funny, on yellow and everything. The, yeah, 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 the yellow teeth and everything. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to console her. I was trying yeah, to yeah, comfort you're... her. And it was mm-hmm. like, I wasn't scared, even though that scene frightens me when I watch yeah, it every time. <laughs> in Fire Walk With Me. It, it does scare me. But in the dream, it didn't scare me. All I wanted to do was protect her. And I think that's something that, like, this book has really gotten under my skin this time, reading it this yeah. time, in a way that it didn't do before. And I don't know why. Well, Maybe just, because if I was... you shut down and you're just like, no, I don't like this. It's it's upsetting me. Well, and yeah, it was because it was just it, right? so, it was so, like you said, I'm the, I was that housewife in suburban Cleveland, I guess. I just, I was reading it and I was horrified. Yeah. Like, it was so graphic and it was so upsetting. Yeah. 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 That I just... I skipped a lot of it, I think. Yeah, and then like, I tried oh, I reading it a second time and had the same reaction. So this time was really the first time that I've read through every line. Well, you didn't even. <laughs> no, I did. I did. You no, read I did. most of it, yes. And I and I I really did feel like it it it's it came to life for me. Yeah. Did yeah. you like it? I did. I you know again it was for me it was harder to read the opening because it, she was so childish and like oh is it going to be like this forever? Um, I mean childish or childlike. There's a difference. It was kind of both. Okay. Um, and but I mean, as soon as she kind of, <laughs> so basically, as soon as she started having sex with random people, I was like, okay, this is this is the Laura. This is the 
the side of Laura that I really enjoyed seeing in Firewalk with me. That sounds really terrible. You horrible person. No, just because it was like, this is the Laura that nobody else in Twin Peaks admitted to knowing and seeing. Um, Again, I love, I still love Bobby's speech in in the second or the fourth episode, wherever they bury Laura. And he, you know, he says, everybody knew she was in trouble. Everybody knew this side of Laura existed. Um, But here it is in all its gory detail. And I didn't, I I wanted to read those really difficult parts because I'm like, yes, this is, this is the kind of shit that some people really do have to deal with. Yeah. And this is like, you talk to like people who work with sex workers or something like that. You know, the stories that, these women especially mm-hmm. talk about i mm-hmm. mean they were almost like not all obviously but a lot of them sexually abused as children used a lot of drugs yeah. um you know it's a it's it's, it's a, a far common more common story tale. yes yeah. exactly right yeah i'm not gonna say all obviously no but, but you're yeah, right it's, yeah. it's 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 not something that's isolated to just women who are you know victimized by specters right yeah this exactly is, is... like these are yeah these are real experiences yeah. and and to have laura in her own voice which is a weird mix of the good Laura, mm-hmm. that, as she describes it, still being there and still striving to do good in the world. And even if she compartmentalizes that entirely and does the meals on wheels and then the hookers and the blow the yeah. next day uh, and flesh world and whatever the other day, yeah. you know, like that's... Dancing with her dad on Christmas Day. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that she had to separate them um, doesn't, to me, uh, denigrate the the effort that's made to do all the good things no and, and the the care and, and affection and love that she has for the people in her life yeah. still um even if she's manipulating other people and, well, and yeah, hurting she, them yeah exactly uh i think that's just an amazing story to, to read in, you know? and and to realize the strength of character that it's mm-hmm. required to do this yeah and to continue doing this yeah. for so long yeah it's it's makes you respect her yeah a lot more exactly than yeah. than maybe we had up to this point at least up to this point in the series yeah we were reading this in 1990 yeah um but yeah it's uh and, I think and it, it makes yeah. it even it makes it even sadder like you said the with relation to bobby's speech that everybody knew and realizing that laura doesn't think that anybody cares yeah she feels so invisible well, and she feels so like there's that dream she has where she's where she stops using yeah and she goes to school and everybody and is is a drug addict and, and she is completely invisible yeah and she and walks everyone. right through people and everything and like she gets up and screams in their faces and, yeah. and so realizing that this was in the mind of this girl that we saw washed up on the beach wrapped yeah. in plastic this was what she dealt with and then realizing that her death starts ripple effects that affect Everyone. Everyone had a connection to her. Even if it was just a connection to knowing her as the homecoming queen, I think she impacted people's lives in a way that she didn't know. And that is, again, another very sad but very poignant realization. And her death in Firewalk with me especially is is itself such a such (laughs) a positive affirmation of of who she was and you know, of the good she could bring to the world because she didn't, she didn't continue, she didn't continue Leland's, uh, you know, uh, transmission of Bob, I guess. Yeah. You know, if, if Leland is, as we've kind of long suspected, uh, took on Bob from the Robertsons or whoever was molesting him right. as, potentially as a little boy, Laura put a stop to that, Yeah. you know, and Leland was caught and yeah. okay, he killed Maddie and that was super sad, but I mean, he could have killed 50 more people or right. he or Laura could have been killing 50 more people right. if she'd taken Bob into herself. Right. right. So, you know, even 
you know, and she brings Agent Cooper to the town. You know, yes. like like her death does all these positive things for it. Um, that, it, that, it, that do lead to her salvation. Yes. I mean, I don't want to get too much into Fire Welcome because we do want to discuss well, this have, at, yeah. at length. But but it does like it. It's she she just she has so much agency. That's yes. it's the only word to describe it. She is such a, a force of nature, and and in even though she feels like she has no control. Um, she does bring about so much mm-hmm. change yeah. and so much, if, even if, if it's only within her own story, because I mean, arguably bringing Agent Cooper to town is not, doesn't work out very well for Agent Cooper. Well, okay, but it's, that we it's, know of. Yeah. it's still, <laughs> it's still something that, that she is able like she, he is the person that she feels can help her. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, she, she, mentions that somewhere not in this book but i think in her regular diary i think on the show it's mm-hmm. it's mentioned when she talks about the dream so i mean it's it's she's she's trying and her death is what does that so it's not like her death was not in vain mm-hmm. is the the point she she comes to this realization over five years and she dies and it's sad but there's power to it yeah, yeah. and that's the important thing yeah and that's why I love the ending of Firewalk with Me is perfect in my yeah. mind. I, lo- I love it so much. And I, I know you've always loved Firewalk yeah. with Me. Yeah, and I, I think, even when I didn't. Yeah. There's a lot of things about Twin Peaks that I haven't liked that you brought me around to <laughs> okay. really liking. That's good. I, I think I shake your hand, okay. sir. Thank you. Anytime. But uh, yeah. I guess that's what marriage is. Yeah. We bring good into each other's lives. Yeah. Have I brought anything good to your life? Twin Peaks. Oh, excellent. Yeah. excellent. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. That's, that's my pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you.